Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast. My name is Paul and today we're going to take a look at Bob Villain and the Hives who are supporting the offspring. So let's dive straight into it, shall we? So we're going to take a look at the first support act, which is Bob Villain. And I couldn't find much, so I've got an article up from uh, loudersound.com. And it's saying, meet the grime punk duo the music industry didn't want you to hear. UK grime punk duo Bob Violin's new album, We Live Here, was judged too extreme for major label release as it lifts the lid on the ugliest side of Britain. Whenever you ask Bobby Violin an important question, he pauses before carefully articulating his answer. A man brought up on the words of Akla, the movies of Spike Lee and stories of large diverse communities. He understands the weight of his words and wants to make them impactful. Bobby fronts UK punk grime duo Bob Violin and has written an album so honest and extreme the industry didn't want to touch it. Full of fury and animosity, Bob Violin's debut album We Live Here combines the traditions of punk with the modern voice of British grime. In the spirit of both genres, it, it doesn't hold back with its messaging. The album forces some of the UK's uglier realities into, harsh, into a harsh spotlight, including police brutality, the racism both institutional and personal faced by Britain's communities of colour and government's poor treatment of working classes. Sharing its scope and ambition with the lights of Grey Britain by Gallows and with the works of Let Live, it's a landmark record that tears down the country that birthed it and prompts essential discussion around the fact that for plenty of its inhabitants, Great Britain isn't so great at all. We Live Here is primarily available through Bandcamp and, re- and record shops or via mediums that encourage adequate payment and thus, it could be argued, place more value on the subject matter that becomes more important when the subject matter is so bitterly personal. These are the stories in my life, whether it's present or once upon a time, or other people's lives that I grew up with or see, says Violin. It's feelings I have and the people around me have. What we live here isn't just angry or confrontational or loud, it's brilliant. It's thanks to the record's quality that Bob Violin have swiftly amassed a dedicated and enthusiastic fanbase. The people that picked up on it, they just, they didn't just pick up on it, they ran with it, says Violin. They shed and blasted it. The organic reach of it has and continued to blow my mind. The record is the product of and written for vibrant and diverse communities. It quickly found its people. Rough Trade made it their album of the month and the duo are hopeful for a Mercury Prize win next year despite the lack of interest typically shown to heavy music by the panel. Bobby knows his record is good enough to win. One of the standout moments of We Live Here is Pulled Pork, a song that sees Bobby as his most depraved with the help of Fever 333 frontman Jason Aylon Butler, a violence-inducing rallying cult egged on by the antagonistic Rage Against the Machine style rifting. The song digs into police brutality and the UK's denial of it. If you deny any, if you deny a problem, you don't have a problem. It doesn't exist, says Violet. But to admit there's an issue of racism run, running rampant throughout the country, the housing sector, the employment sector, the police force, of course, is a problem if you if you admit that. We Live Here's mission is to bring you face to face with the uncomfortable realities underpinning the experience of people of colour in the UK. Bob Violent makes it clear that denial is not an opinion anymore. 
an album born out of the impact of racism, We Live Here makes its point most directly on its final track, a minute of silence before a sweet voice of violin's daughter begins. It's gonna be a heavy listen, so I wanted that last track to be a moment where people can reflect on what they've heard, he says. We don't really do that a lot with music, but when you go to the cinema, you, ha- you, watch, the fil- you watch the film and when you're walking out, you're talking about it. It's made to be listened to front and back. I don't want people to hear it and think about it. This finale exposes the heartbreaking reality that everything you've just heard from Bob Violent is set to be repeated for generations to come. For Bobby's daughter, it's not a case of if, but when she is first exposed to racism. My voice has been corrupted by all the things that I've seen, all the things that I've done, and the lives that I've lived, says Violin. Where is that voice on there? My daughter's voice is innocent. You heard this growing harsh angry voice, now listen to this soft angel and ask yourself, what can I do? What can I do because there's enough kids out there who are going to have to grow up in the rubble of everything we've destroyed and everything that generations ahead of us have destroyed. Punk and Grime are both created by the fewest underrepresented children of rubble, of that rubble. The genres allowed for people without money or formal training to use their voice. All, years, all these years later, they still stand for self-expression and inclusivity with artists like Bob Violent acting like beacons for people in the need of a community. We Live Here makes the state of the world clear and draws in its people to get it to work better on. We Live Here is available now via Bandcamp. Now that sounds interesting, I'm looking forward to hearing something different like this and hopefully at some point we'll get some reviews of their tracks on my X review channel so the link for that is in the description below, please check it out. So, we're going to take a look at The Hives. The Hives are a Swedish rock band that rose to prominence in the early 2000s during the Garage Rock revival. Their mainstream success came with the release of the album Veni Vidi Vicious, containing the single Hate To Say I Told You So. The band has been acclaimed by music critics as one of the best live rock bands. The Hives have released five studio albums, barely legal in 1997, Veni Vidi Vicious in 2000, Tyrannosaurus Hives in 2004, the Black and White album in 2007, and Lex Hives in 2012. They have one compilation album, your new favourite band in 2001 and they have issued a live DVD Trussels in Brussels in 2005. The Hives completed recording vocals and guitar in late November 2006 for a song called Throw It On Me, a collaboration with hip-hop producer Timberland. The song was included in his album Timberland Presents Shock Value, released on 3rd of April in 2007. They also performed in a music video for the track. The Hives have also recently spoken on a, of a collaboration with Jack White's The Recruiters on a song for their new album originally entitled Footsteps. However, it was later revealed that Howlin' Pelly, Howlin' Pelly also did a collaboration with Swedish rock artist Money Brother, a cover of an Operation Ivy song, Free, uh, Freeze Up. They used Swedish notes and called it Jag Skriver Interpernat. Sorry if I butchered Swedish, but I can't speak it. Which translates as I won't sign anything. The band members contributed to Time for Some Action and Windows on NERD's Seeing Sounds album, Pele Elm Crevist, providing guest vocals on Time for Some Action. On Seeing Sounds, they are credited with their real names instead of the pseudonyms that they use within the band. In 2008, the band recorded a Christmas duet entitled A Christmas Duel with Cindy Lauper, which was available as a free download 
to their website on the 28th of November 2008. In a November 2008 interview with leading Swedish newspaper Dagens Nyheter, Swedish rapper Peter announced that the Hives were working on a new version of his track Represkaven for his upcoming album. All songwriting except covers on the band's albums are credited to Randy Fitzsimmons. The band claimed Fitzsimmons is an honorary Sip Hive who along with writing their music discovered and manages the band. The band has included hidden references to the Sip member in the band including a hidden Sip pair of legs on the back cover of, of Tyrannosaurus Hive's album art. Randy Fitzsimmons is a registered pseudonym for Nikilius Almquist. The Hive's live show had been highly rated with Spin Magazine rating them 8th best in rock music. Pele is known for his colourful idiocracy. When asked about their efforts to connect with the audience, Chris Dangerous replied that there are so many bands out there they don't say a word to the crowd. I don't get it. I don't even look at the audience and that's ridiculous. The Hives always dressed in matching black and white tuxedos because it makes them look like they belong together. Right, so now we've heard the uh, bands. We're going to take a look at the show as soon as it, as soon as it opens up. So we'll be back after this. A few moments later. So looking at the show, I noticed I made a mistake. And that mistake was, I called the band Bob Violin. It's actually Bob Villain, just how it's spelled. So my apologies for that from early on. But when I watched that, I noticed uh, that unfortunately when they came on, he had microphone issues and for whatever reason the microphone just wasn't working properly if it was a frequency error or battery or even just a uh, rubbish mic that was the issue but it was resolved uh, very quickly they uh, brought on a spare microphone and it started to work and then after the first song which was an instrumental I'm not sure if that was about the microphone or not but then the second song that's when it became more apparent that the microphone was not working as he was pointing the microphone towards the uh, uh, towards sound 2 and if you don't know what sound 2 is sound 2 is the monitor sound guys uh, and also the babysitter of the microphones on stage so they're always uh, stage left and you've got sound 1 which is the main mixer in the auditorium mixing being dead centre so you can hear everything but anyways, I digress. As soon as Bob Villain's microphone was working, the first thing he said to the crowd was, Hi everybody, how are you doing? Kill the Queen. I, I, I won't say what he actually said, because uh, I'm trying not to swear on my podcast. Well, on this particular podcast. But he said, kill that F-wording Queen. And that went down like a lead balloon, I have to say. Um, Unfortunately, in this land of free speech, sometimes you might just not want to say certain things because unfortunately for Bob Villain, he had a hard battle for the rest of the show because a lot of people just weren't happy with uh, him saying about killing the Queen. And then as soon as uh, he didn't get the reaction he wanted, he turned around and said, well, she killed Diana. Well, everyone has their uh, right to free speech. He has his... uh, he has his opinion, that's fair enough. If that's his opinion about it, then I I get that, I understand that, and that, and he's entitled to it. But what I'm saying is, um, try and read the room, Mr. Dillon. Please try and read the room. I know that it's not your uh, thing about being polite, and uh, it's definitely not your thing about 
being discreet, but sometimes if you're gonna win a crowd over, read the room, yeah? It's not exactly hard. Yes, we understand you don't like the Queen because of what she stands for in your eyes. I get that. Read the room. So all you have to do is read the room. For that exact same reason, Bob Dylan had a massive battle on his hands to try and win the crowd back. And it took near enough his entire set for him to do this. Now, I'm not going to slate him for his vocal abilities. Uh, he rapped really good. I mean, he had a message to say and he said it. And he said it very clearly so people could actually understand him. He wasn't a mumble rapper. He was a very clear rapper. And even though I don't agree with uh, some of his... Uh, lyrics and I don't agree with his perspective on things in certain in certain things but he has every right to say it and make you know and uh, push his uh, word which which in normal circumstances would have worked it would have gone down very, uh, very well especially with some of the people with the Cardiff area but and I bit and I say but it goes back to my previous comment he didn't read the room and it was falling on deaf ears because he had annoyed a lot of people by saying, let's kill the Queen. Anyways, he had also had a bit of patter where he was talking about the show two days ago in Hull, where over 300 police officers turned up because for some reason, the police don't kind of like his um, work. And that is because he uh, raps about how he hates the police. So apparently, I don't know how true this is, it's just what he was saying. Maybe he's bigging himself up, maybe it was an exaggeration. But I do think that the police did turn up to do a bit of intimidation outside and inside the arena. But, you know, at the end of the day, some of it may be hype, some of it may be real. I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. Musically, they were good. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, it was just a drummer and a rapper and a bit of click track. But the drama was really talented on the drums. He, was, he could play. God damn, he could play. And uh, the lead vocalist, he could rap. And he could do, and he was very, how can I put it? He was very audible. You could hear him and you could hear the clarity of what he was saying. As I said earlier on, he wasn't a mumble rapper. Could, he, could this uh, set have gone down well? Well, I think by the end of it, he managed to win some of the crowd back. And by the end of his set, it was only 42% uh, full. So he didn't get the applause that he could have got from uh, that audience at that point in time. But that's what you get for uh, saying kill the queen. I'm sorry, but it's just how it goes. You may not be a royalist, but to turn around and kill an old lady, even if you don't, recognize her as being the queen or you feel that she that there shouldn't be a queen you don't want to go and kill some old lady that served the country for a long time but anyway but then again i'm a royalist so i have a bias on that so he probably do but after winning the crowd back uh, which was really difficult for him i have to say i mean he did well to, to slowly win the crowd back in his favor but i think it was a little bit on deaf ears and a bit too late but maybe at some point he'll uh, learn from this and hopefully in the next gig, if he doesn't say kill the Queen, he might actually have the crowd join him a bit more. Fingers crossed, because I think he's got a lot of potential, especially as he's uh, 
just starting to rise to prominence and uh, doing it independently and not on a record label. Now, I can actually see why the record labels don't want to touch him, but then again, in this day and age, do you really need a record label? All you need is a good online following and uh, and you'll start taking off. From the start of their set, the Hives did really goddamn well. They won the crowd straight away, which was a massive contrast to uh, Bob Villain. Massive contrast to Bob Villain. Uh, they come out and the crowd just lapped them up as they come out. Pure showmanship, I mean pure showmanship. Now I thought it was a very bold move, a very bold move to have all the lights on them, all the lights on them in open white. No other colours other than white. It was a big bold move and it went down really well. I mean they just wanted to be seen and at the end of the day they were nipping around the whole stage. They did really well actually. Not only were they holding the crowd from the moment they come out, but they had that crowd moshing, they had that crowd dancing, and they had that crowd cheering all the way from the beginning and all the way throughout. They did really well, I mean, really well. They definitely had the audience's attention and, and at the point that they uh, come on, it was only 75% uh, full. So they did pretty well, actually, considering the attendance of the audience. Now, another bold move that the uh, lead singer did, and he had his microphone on an XLR cable, the longest XLR cable I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, and now, why did he do that? Well, he loved to swing his microphone around, and I guarantee you, guarantee you, every uh, couple of shows, that microphone cable gets completely abused, so it ends up getting resoldered to make sure that it's connected all the time. They probably have two or three set different cables, so uh, so no one cable gets completely abused. Well, after all, swinging a microphone looks flashy, but it damages the connectors, something chronic. And uh, yeah, although it does look fucking cool, I have to say. But noise boys, they just never agree with that. They they can't. They just despise it. Anyways, I digress. But with the uh, microphone on this long cable, and with the singer going all over, left, right, centre, up on microphones, down into the pit, and even at one point into the audience, he jumped the uh, uh, he jumps the uh, mojo barrier and ran into the audience. Now, normally. People on a corded mic, they kind of stay rooted to the same area, which, which is all well and fine. It's all good. That's what you normally do. But when you're zipping around the place, you need two ninjas on stage. And when I say two ninjas, two sound crew, completely covered in black. You can only see their eyes. Face completely covered up in black uh, drape, hats completely black clothing and just running on and off stage every time uh, they can see the cable getting knotted up bam straight onto that stage uncoiling it and at one point just quickly unpatching the microphone and putting in the replacement cable uh, in between songs because it got knotted that bad so you could just take that big old cable off uncoil it during the next uh, couple of songs and have that cable on standby ready to go 
it was funny it was brilliant and that made a lot of the show i have to say watching these stage ninjas just jumping up doing what they need to do making sure that the lead singer's got maximum movement it was amazing to watch and i lost count how many times i see this happen so throughout the whole show they were just amazing all the way through they held the crowd and they just didn't hold back they were full of energy they just fueled the uh, crowd with their own energy and fed off that returning signal they were just amazing they were beasts on stage and beasts in a good way they just filled the place of energy and had that place banging ready to go wow what a group of showmen it's amazing to watch absolutely amazing and a very great contrast to Bob Villain Thank you for listening to the Total Entertainment Podcast and I hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll catch you next time. Bye for now.